Well, good morning, everyone. So great to be back uh, with you here at uh, Christ Community Church and to be in partnership with you and what God is doing uh, here in your midst. And we're very excited about all uh, the great stories that we continue to hear uh, about what's, what's happening here. And uh, Ron, I just want to come down and say thank you to the church and for your partnership and ministry as we're involved in about 18 different countries right now around the globe. And uh, we just wanted to come and say thank you. Christ Community Church has had a great impact on our ministry, and we couldn't do what we're doing uh, without your, your help. And so we want to say thank you. Um, i got to tell you that uh, Keith called me up. He said, man, you're preaching at church, and uh, I need you on Tuesday to send down your outline. And so I went into my office on Monday and just started saying, okay, God, what do you want to say to us today? What do you want to say to us? And I really felt like I had a word from the Lord, and I sent down the outline. And um, last night I grabbed the... Uh, Gideon Bible there in the hotel, and I'm just thinking, man, I, I wish I could change the message today. And this is what I would preach uh, if I could, but you already have the outline, so I can't change it. But this is what I'd preach if I could today. Matthew chapter 25, verse 35, King James. I was hungry, and you gave me some meat. <laughs> I just felt like, you know, the Bible says... Uh, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and seventies of silver. And I know some of you right now, I hope this guy gets done because I want some meat today, you know. <laughs> I'm saying, well, I'm going to try to give you some meat of the word. And they're saying, we don't care about that. We want some real meat. Man, it's been 21 days, you know. And, and then, then I kept reading in my Bible there in the, uh, the Gideon Bible. And um, I found this verse of scripture. And a lot of you men, I think you need to claim this as you're coming off this 21-day fast. Write it down, Acts chapter 2, verse 46. And they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And uh, I know that a lot of you guys, I look around the room, man, you're thinking, man, today at lunch, man, we're putting it down. We're one of everything with gladness and singleness of heart. They'll be eating their meat. And um, so, okay, I'm going to go back to the real message because it's too late to change. I want to tell you about something that I really think that God's been birthing in my heart that I think uh, could change a lot of ministries and a lot of churches across our, our, our country. Because I think, you know, as it, it's turning out, it's playing out, uh, Jesus said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, this thing called the church. But I don't know, it's, it's not looking too good these days, is it? Satan's having a heyday with us. And I think it's because we don't understand this. I pulled my, my staff together this year, and, and God had given me this passage of Scripture. I'll tell you what happened, I was, in, I was in Nigeria, and I'd taken two little Bibles with me, and uh, so I had the one I had, you know, that I was reading in my, in my hotel room, and having my morning devotions, and I saw this, and I'd never seen it before, and I wrote it down. I thought, when I get back to the States, I want to share this with some people. And then I got out to the curb, and I was waiting on our partner to come pick us up to go over to medical clinics in Nigeria. And when I waited, waited on him to come, I pulled out the Bible that I carry in my backpack, which is the same version, but it was a different uh, year edition of it, and it was totally different. And, and so I want, to, I want to share this with you. It's found in, in Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to walk through this thing together, and at the end we want to ask ourselves some questions on how we might, the implications that this would have, and how this could radically change, uh, particularly today, the ministry of Christ Community Church here in Montgomery. In Philippians chapter 2, it says this, I'll start at verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, 
being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's jump down to verse 19. Paul writes, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interest and not those of Jesus Christ. The three levels of interest. We want to talk about those today. It's interesting in verse 10 and 11 of chapter 2, it lays out for us what our goal is. Why are we doing this thing? Why are we meeting together for church and, and, and for worship and involved in missions and, and all those kinds of things around the globe? Our, our context and our goal is this. Every tongue confess from every nation, tribe, and tongue. you believe that today? Say amen. Our goal is every knee will bow, every tongue confess from every nation, tribe, and tongue. That's the context on which we're working. Sometimes we don't realize that, but the, the context and our goal is to see people from all parts of the, this globe and every nation, tribe, and tongue represented in heaven because the gospel got to everyone in time. And people began to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and, and, and people's lives were transformed. Cities were transformed. Nations were transformed. The globe is transformed. And I want to tell you something. I believe, number one, that's possible. And number two, I believe that God's going to do it. Amen? I believe that God is going to fulfill the Great Commission. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to throw these guys off. I'm going to give them this Great Commission and tell them, okay, pursue this for the rest of till I come back, and, but you'll never be able to accomplish it. No, he, said, he gave us this accomplishment. He said, every knee bow, every tongue confess, every nation, tribe, and tongue. But listen, guys, we'll never be able to do that until we get these three levels of interest figured out. If you have uh, your notes there, I want to share with you. Look in verse 4, the context here. Each of you should... Each of you should. That's all of us, right? Each of you. Is anyone here not included in that? No, all of us are included in that. These three levels of interest. Interest level number one, I would describe as our own interest. Now, here's what really threw me. I was reading through this Bible, uh, NIV Bible, 1984 edition, when, and for my devotions in the morning when I was in Nigeria, and I'm, I'm reading through this thing. Each should not only look after their own interest, but also the interest of others. I think, wow, this is the first level of interest, our own interest. And when I get out to the, to the curb and I'm waiting on them, the newer, a lot of the newer translations say this, you should not look after your own interest. Well, that's a, that's a totally different take on that, isn't it? To not only look after your own interest is totally different to don't look after your own interest. And I don't believe it's a very good translation because I think the first level of interest that we all have is, is a level of our own interest. Let's just be honest. Remember, we're in church now. It's prior to the altar call. How many of you have your own interest? Anyone here? Okay. I don't want to switch over to another sermon online, right? We all have our own interest, right? Every one of us. I mean, in fact, I think it's even a biblical thing that God has wired us with this uh, idea of taking care of our own interest. Let me give you a couple examples why I think that there is a level that it's okay to have our own interest. You realize it's in the best interest of Go International uh, for me to be on the road every week of the year. Every week of the year, Ron and I are traveling uh, through Alabama and Florida these next few days, and we're going to get home and be home about a week and then head off to India. 
It's in the best interest of Go International. If we're just going and going and going and going, speaking and telling others about what God's doing around the world, it's in the best interest of Go International. How many realize it's not in the best interest of my marriage to do that? Amen? It's not in the best interest of my kids for me to be gone every, every week. So we try to balance it out. And while, you know, Keith's on my board and Keith may be saying, hey, man, you need to be gone more. You know, he doesn't do that. He's always saying, man, man, slow down. Uh, but it's in, it's in my own interest to look at my health and my family and the other responsibilities that God's given me. I have some own interests that I need to, to look after. There's some God-given responsibilities, some covenants that I made before God about marriage and being a father and all those kind of things. I have to look after my own interests. Let me tell you another uh, story that just happened just uh, coming home from the DR uh, just a few weeks ago. <clears throat> Bad storm. Get stuck in the Atlanta airport for about uh, eight hours in the Atlanta airport. Talked to my wife. She's dropped a car off for me in, in, in Lexington because it's getting bad in Lexington. And she said, I'll call you when I get home. Never, don't hear and don't hear and don't hear. Finally, I text her. I said, what's up? I thought she forgot about me, you know? I'm down there in the Atlanta airport all by myself. and stuck, you know? And she, she texts back, we've been in an accident. No one was hurt. But um, my daughter's driving her, their car, and and car in front starts spinning out. My daughter, she's just 18. She gets the car under control and, and stops. And they're like, thank you, Lord. Boom, in the back. Someone totaled their car, okay? And so we call the insurance company. They've totaled the car, and they say, uh, Mr. Jones, we'd like to give you $2,000 for the car. And so I said, oh, I don't know how much it's worth. I go out to replace it. They want $7,000 for one, right? And so I'm thinking, well, okay, well, this is what they're going to give me. No, I called Jones, Jones, and Jones, attorney law. That's me. And uh, I made a few phone calls, and I started calling and said, hey, this isn't going to work. I can't replace this car for this. And we battled, and we battled, and we battled. Now, it was not in the best interest of, of my family to say, okay, you know, we've got this car, it's paid for, it's a low mileage car. Oh, we'll just take whatever you want, and then we'll have to go out and go into debt and, and to, to buy something else. It wasn't in our best interest, so we fought it. You see, there's a level of interest that is our own interest. And I think it's God's, God's interest because, you know what, I, I didn't want to get into another payment because I didn't want to take money that we could be doing for ministry and, and, and be using for kingdom stuff and just go into a payment and, and be in debt that I couldn't have something I couldn't afford. We have to look after our own interest. Listen. It's okay to be concerned with our own interest, except when those interests are exclusive. It's okay to think about our own interests, except when those are our exclusive interests, like we don't think about anything else. You know, I like to think about, you know, uh, our own interests are, are, the, are the cookies on the lowest shelf, and they're the easiest to reach out and grab one of those. It's the easiest to say, well, I've got to look after myself, I've got to look after my family, I've got to look after for, for the things of my network or, or my job. I've got to look after me. And it's a dangerous thing when our own special interest group, the special interest group that we're most involved in, is me. And a lot of people make that mistake. Well, they think, well, yeah, I've got my own interest. That, that's why I think the Bible says not only your own interest. There is a place in the Scripture for our own interest. I love what the, the context of this passage of Scripture in verse 3, it says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition. There's a place for, for, for your own interest, but when we get logged into our own selfish ambition, all we look after, all we lobby for is ourselves. And we're not thinking about the kingdom. We're not thinking about the expansion of the church because everyone comes to the church and all I think about is, is what's important to me. You know, these are days where... A lot of churches and ministries are having to cut back, right? The economy's been really tough. And, uh, you know, Ron and I, we lead a, a nonprofit organization. Tell us about it. You know, we became president and vice president five years ago, 
right as the economy began to tank. What a joy that was to take on ownership of responsibility and realize all, all the funds are, you know, people are losing funds and all that kind of stuff. It's tough. Uh, you know, but we had, to, we had to begin to think about that. The, the idea that we've got to look after our, our own needs. People think about their own stuff. And this idea of cutbacks, I, I, I talk to people, I travel all the time, and I talk to people, they could care less what gets cut in the church as long as it's not something that affects their family. Well, that doesn't happen here, I know that. But around the world, around the country, it's actually happened. People could care less. If you've got children, you don't care if the youth group gets cut until your kids are in junior high school, Right? You don't care if the choir gets cut as long as you don't sing. And, and we always sometimes think about, we come to church and we're focused on our own interest. I go to church because of what it does for me. And it's killing us. It's killing us. When, when, when the church is set up to appeal to this level of interest, we're set up for doom. And we're walking around saying, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's not true, because that's not the way Christ said to set up the church. When the church is always set on my own level of interest, and we're always trying to appeal to the me generation, then we're not following the Christ model. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 15, verse 3. I love this in the Amplified Bible. It says this, For Christ did not please himself. He gave no thought to his own interest. But as it was written, the reproaches and abuses of those who reproached and abuses fell on me. How many of you realize today that it was not in Christ's best interest to die on a cross? Think about that. It was, however, in our best interest. Because we were powerless. We had no ability to bridge the gap between us and God. And God so loved the world. He loved each and every one of us so much. And wanted every nation, tribe, and tongue bowing and worshiping him. That was God's ultimate goal. And so he loved us so much, he summoned his one and only son to come to earth who didn't be consumed with his own interest. And he died for you and I. He took no thought for his own interest. Romans chapter 16 Verse 17, 18, and now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. Now, let me tell you something. This first level, the lowest level on the shelf, easiest to reach out to, is the own level of interest. And I think there's a biblical case that we have to take care of our own level. We have some responsibilities with that. We have some responsibilities as leaders in the church here to take care of our own responsibilities. Uh, but when those are exclusive, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. I love this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, this is the Amplified Bible, If anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, disregard, and lose sight of and forget his own interest. And to forget his own interest. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, New Living Translation says this, If anyone come after me, he must deny his selfish ambitions, take up his cross daily, and follow me. The first level of interest, the lowest level, easiest to reach to, is our own interest. But let's talk about another level. Not only our own interest, but number two, the interest of others. Look at verse 4. Each of you, that's us, should look not only to your own interest, but I love this next part, 
but also the interests of others. That's why I don't, I don't agree with some of the more modern translations that say, don't look after your own interests, because it clearly says, but also the interests of others, as if to say, there are some own interests. Don't get, don't get clogged up there and just only looking at your own interests, because that's where we're going to get in a lot of trouble. We need to look after the interests of others. This is not just a, a step in our faith journey. This is a huge step. In fact, if I were to invite you today to go with me to, uh, to Columbia, we have a ministry down in Columbia that uh, is feeding about 2,000 children six days a week. It's a great ministry. You'd be, you'd be greatly impacted by a visit there. But I also guarantee, number one, you'd be impacted by the ministry. You'd want to go back. But I would guarantee you, on the way to breakfast uh, or lunch today, you would trip going up the steps. I, I just guarantee it. I, I sit there, I've been down there so many times in Columbia, and I'm always telling people, what's your step? And they, they walk up, and what they did was, I don't know, they, they, they didn't figure out the steps right, and they're all equal till you get to the top step, and it's like three steps in one. And so people are walking up, and they're talking, and they get that last step, and they, they just roll into to lunch. It's crazy, you know? And, and I think about that when I think about this, this idea. The, the lowest step is our own interest, easiest to reach from, on the, on the lowest shelf. But there's this huge step up a lot of us never get to. It's looking after the interest of others. And in fact, sometimes we look as if this is the ultimate. If we could just get people to be really interested, genuinely interested in the interest of others, we could change, uh, uh, change the world. Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, listen, there's no one like Timothy. Now think about, this is the Apostle Paul writing, he's got all these people at his disposal, all these people he can, can call on, people involved in his ministry, and of all the people that the Apostle Paul knew, he said, I don't have anyone, no one, zero, like Timothy. What, what was the thing that made Timothy stand out? He takes a genuine interest in others. Have any of you ever been pretty good at pretending that you're interested? Come on now. I mean, we, we're, we're Christians, right? We know how to fake it, don't we? We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah really. You know, we're in the back of my mind thinking, you know, something else. I mean, we're, we're not there in the moment. And we're acting like, oh, man, I'm really interested. And someone said, what did they say? I don't know. I just, you know, they're just talking. You know, and we just, we act like we're genuinely interested. And Paul said, I don't have anyone like them. Why? Because he takes a genuine interest in the lives of others. Do you realize what could happen in our church if some people would take that huge step? And not only look after their own interests, what's best for me and the interest of me, but would really take a huge step of faith today and say, you know what? There's some needy people all around me. There's some people who have some needs and taking a genuine interest. You know, if the body started really functioning like that, do you, do you have any idea? The evangelism and care and, and, and ministry to be coming out of that when we really took a genuine interest in the lives of others. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 16, the J.P. Phillips translation, live in harmony with each other. Don't be snobbish, but take real interest in ordinary people. Don't be, become set in your own opinions or your own interest. In Acts chapter 9, verse 27, this great Paul who's saying, I've got no one like Timothy. It, it, Paul was greatly influenced. I want you to understand the impact of this idea. Because the Bible says, and Barnabas took an interest in Saul. Just think for a second of the impact of this second level of interest, the interest of others. What happens if, if God comes and begins to speak and birth in the heart of Barnabas this idea, there's this guy Saul, and he's out persecuting the church. This is a dangerous mission I'm going to, going to send you on, and I want you to go and, and take an interest in him. 
And what if Barnabas says, man, there's no way. I'm not getting involved in that. I've got all my own interests to take care of. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm Mr. Encourager, you know? And I've got to encourage people. And I've already got my own ministry. And I've got things to take care of my family. I don't have time for Saul. Can you imagine how different the rest of the New Testament would have been if there hadn't been a Barnabas who took an interest, a genuine interest, in the life of Saul, who later becomes Paul, who we're reading from today? Wow. Who are we missing today in our generation? I mean, sometimes we think, oh, man, I don't do children's ministry. And I, don't do, I don't do youth ministry. Man, I, I, I'd rather do something more behind the scenes, right? Who are the Saul's that are going to become Paul's that we're missing in our ministries because we're so consumed with our own interest, we're not looking after the interest of others. We're not coming alongside them, taking a genuine interest. I love the story that's found in 2 Samuel chapter 9. You know the story. David becomes king. Saul's gone. His best friend Jonathan is, is gone as well. And, and so God's given him rest on all sides. All the, all the enemies are at peace with him. And, and he shows up for, for lunch one day and he says, uh, is there anyone left in Saul's house? Someone says, well, there is the son of Jonathan, uh, Mephibosheth. David says, go get him. He's scared to death. He's thinking, man, you know, my, my father, my grandfather was the one that was pursuing David's life. And when, they, when he comes in and he takes me, and when they were trying to flee, they, they drop him. He's crippled now. And he's thinking, man, gonna, he's going to take my life. And David comes in because of the great love he had for Jonathan. And he, he begins to honor him and, and take a genuine interest in him and brings him into his table. And they're sitting down and having meals together. And I love the way Mephibosheth bowed down his head. And the Bible says in chapter 9, verse 8, what is your servant that you take an interest in a dead dog like me? Jonathan, uh, David just loved on Mephibosheth and took a genuine interest because of the interest he had for his father and the love he wanted to show for him. And what an impact he had on someone who thought, I don't deserve this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 33, Just as I myself strive to please, to accommodate myself to the opinions and desires and interests of others, adapting myself to all men in everything I do, not aiming at my own or considering my own profit or advantage, but that of the many things that are in order that all may be saved. That's why Paul later on writes, he said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, I was made happy in the Lord that, that you took a genuine interest in me. I've taken an interest in you, and I'm, for the sake of knowing Jesus and my Lord, I've counted all these other things as loss, dung, that I may gain Christ. There's a level of interest. Listen, first level, my own interest. There's just another huge level, the interest of others. But there is, I believe today, the highest level of interest, which is the interest of Christ. Not my own interest. Not the interest of others, but the interest of Christ. Let's, let's, let's jump back down and, and pick up the reading in, in, in verse 19. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare or the interest of others. For everyone looks out after their own interest, but not those of Jesus Christ but not those of Jesus Christ. Do you realize it's possible today for the interest of others not to be the interest of Christ and the best interest of Christ? Have you ever thought about that? 
We think we're, we're a democracy, right? And the church is a democracy, and we ought to vote on that, right? Not really. <laughs> because everyone could want it done. And it not be in the best interest of Christ. Or the best interest of, of the ministry. Now, let me, let's kind of put this in perspective. I think what's happening in, in our world today is we're so consumed with our own interest. Special interest groups everywhere, even in the church. And we're, we're, we're driving and pursuing, and we get activated and involved in things that impact us and our families. And we're, we're totally consumed with our own interest. And very few, Paul said, I don't have anyone except Timothy, are concerned with the interests of others. And because there's so few who are interested in others, we've kind of laid that as the ultimate goal in the life of the church, is to move people from their own interest to the interest of others. That we're not even talking about living and ministering in the interest of Christ. You see, our own interests are important. The interest of others is impactful. But the interest of Christ is imperative for us if we're going to reach our goal of every knee bowing, every tongue confessing, every nation, tribe, and tongue represented around the throne of heaven. If, if we're really going to be Christ's church, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it, we've got, you know, we've got some own interest. And I'm saying, I think it's a biblical thing. You've got a, a family. You've got responsibility and job. You've got some own interest you've got to take care of. You've got to look after. And then there's the need of others, which so few are really looking after. But the ultimate level of interest is that of the interest of Christ. Galatians, Paul writes in chapter 6, verse 14, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest to me has also died. Don't you love that with Paul? You know why Paul was so effective? Why God used him so mightily? He had some interest. Sure he did. He really began to look and develop and was modeled and impacted by Barnabas and began to look after the interests of others and cared about a lot of people. But his ultimate interest in life was that of Jesus Christ. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 34, he, Paul is saying, I'm single. I'm single for this very reason. This isn't for everybody, but the reason why I'm single is so I can devote all my interest to that of Jesus Christ and to the ministry that he's called. I made myself a bond slave, a bond servant of the king. My ultimate goal, my ultimate aim is to protect the interest of the king. Isaiah chapter 58, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interest. You see, the purpose of the Sabbath day was to set aside time to pursue the interest of our father, not our own interest. And today you look and say, oh, Bert, man, that's, that's old-fashioned, man. You don't do that today. We don't set aside the Sabbath as holy. What, what the Lord, the reason, the purpose of the Sabbath day was so that we could hone in our, our interest on Him and worship Him and set aside time, a regular time, where we could just bow and worship and kneel and to fall in love with. Luke chapter 11, verse 23, He who is not with me, Jesus said, standing, siding, and believing with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me, engaged in my interest, scatters. The highest level of interest, the interest of Christ. There's this great story in the book of Daniel. Uh, chapter 6, you know, the, the ups and downs that Daniel's had. He, wanted, he wouldn't bow down to the king's delicacies, and, and uh, he wasn't looking after his own interests. He was uh, looking after the, the commandments of God. And, and so 
he took some stands on some things, and God honored him and put him in a rightful place of leadership. And he's put in this unbelievable place. And I love Daniel chapter 6, verse 2. It says this, Then the king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers. Listen to this. And here was their ultimate goal. To protect the king's interest. The king finds Daniel, sees no one like him in all the kingdom. Just like Paul sees no one else like Timothy in all of his ministry. He says this, okay, I found this guy Daniel to be a true worshiper of God, to be on fire. He calls out to his God and the lions shut their mouths. God shuts the mouths. Everyone worship Daniel's God, okay? And he says, here's, here's the new job for Daniel. Daniel, here's your job description. You protect the king's interest. Now think about that just for a second. What if we changed our scope and understanding of this, this, these three simple principles? What if we realized we all have an own interest, and that's okay? But we're not only to look after our own interest. We need to begin to look for the interest of others. And stop looking within and begin to look around and see, what, see the needs that are all around us. Listen to this. As we've been asking ourselves this question as a ministry at Go International, how would Go International be different next year if each of us as staff members, board members, people involved in our ministry, weren't looking after our own interest or even the interest of others, but protecting the interest of the king? I don't have a whole lot of answers for you today on that. But I think if we can catch this concept, it will change our ministries. When we genuinely say, my job in the church, protect the king's interest. What's best for me, I love some of the saints of the church. You know, I've, I've talked to them and, you know, I speak in a lot of different kind of churches. And I was recently up in Van Wert, Ohio. Um, stay with a very elderly couple and uh, ask them something about their church and they said, you know what? We don't like the music. Don't like the music. But we love the young people come to Jesus. And you know what I realized at that moment? Because here's, uh, if, if we were voting at their church, they'd say, no, we don't like the music. We like the old-fashioned stuff. But they're looking after the interests of others. And they were protecting the king's interest. And they said, you know what this, Pastor Burt? We don't tell that to anybody but you. We don't go around talking to the church. We don't like this. We don't like that. Because it's in the king's best interest to be united and working together. So that every knee would bow. Every tongue confess. Every nation, tribe, and tongue represented around the throne of heaven. I'd like to see a picture of that here, wouldn't you? Here on this earth. So we've got to move beyond our own, not only our own interest, move to the interest of others and begin to protect the interest of the king. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being here today. Pray that you'd use this simple message today to put in perspective for us what it means and what our role is and our responsibility is to protect the interest of the king. I pray that as a ministry here at Christ Community Church, you would give the leaders and the people such a vision of what that means and how that would look like, that um, the church would look different a year from now. Holy Spirit, come and move 
And uh, as we sing this final song, we pray your, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.